Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone to Carl's Interviews. Today I'm joined by my friend Jamie Bolsh, who is a Welsh and British sprinter, TV personality and generally all round the top bloke. Jamie had his heyday in the 1990s and today we'll talk a bit about his career highlights from the athletics world and then the subsequent incredible work he's done with charity, some of his adventures and his experiences with adoption. Also, quite helpfully for today, Jamie has referred to himself as a complete open book. So I'm looking forward to delving into that a bit. Without further ado, Jamie, I want to see if my research is right here. Was your first medal not in sprinting or running, but actually in fact in trampolining? You, you've definitely done your research. <laughs> <laughs> a, how do you start with the trampolining medal? And then secondly, how do you go from trampolining to being a sprinter? Okay, very, that's a very um, good question. Um, you've <laughs> definitely thrown me a curveball to start off. And I like yes. that. If you've got a beer there, I'm joining you on that. Um, well, I've gone for whiskey, actually, this evening. Oh, whiskey. To... I'm, on a, I'm yeah. on a little beer, like, you know. So it's, I'm, I'm not just a normal athlete. I can have a, a little beer as well. Um, so um, how did I... Why did I do track? So, no, I started off doing track and field. So I started track and field when I was about 11. The trampolining came into play when I was in, uh, in college when I was 17. Yeah. And I've always been very gymnastic. I've always been able to sort of, um, uh, you know, do backflips and this and that. Naturally, I've just been a good gymnast. And um, my... Still now? What's that? Still now? Well, funny enough, you know my... <laughs> funny enough, you know my partner, Cheryl. I'm, I 40, I'm 47 years old now. And I ended up doing a flick flack in the garden only last week. I was kind of impressed with that. My back hurt a little bit after yeah. it, but it was okay. Very it, was okay. it was okay. So, no, so my, my, my tutor, Avril Williams, sort of like said, you know, I'm going to enter you for a, a, a trampolining competition. And yeah. I ended up doing all right in it. And I got better and better. But next thing you know, I got a medal for Wales. You know what I mean? So, it's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, a bit crazy. So, that, you know, that's, that's how, where that came from. And uh, yeah, good days, the good days. And most of us obviously remember you from your success at individual 400 and 4x4. But um, you actually started on a shorter distance than that, didn't you? You that's, started with a two. That's right, yeah. So I started off as a sprinter, the 100 and 200 metres. So in 1991, uh, I represent Great Britain in the uh, 200 metres was my first sort of like race there for, the, uh, for Great Britain. But I ended up um, winning the European Junior Championships in the 100, and, uh, 100 metre relay with Darren Campbell, who went on to win an Olympic gold yeah. medal many years later. Um, and then a year later, got to the World Junior Championships, came fourth in the 200 metres, and we ended up breaking the four by one world record for juniors. Yeah, so again, Darren Campbell in that team, Jason Ferguson, Alan Condon. So, yeah, my, my early career of track and field was was pretty much the sprints, the one and two. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think if I could have been fast enough, I would have stayed at that event. Because <laughs> <laughs> the 400 metres is hard, you know. What what people don't understand with the 400 metres, it's... it's um, 
it's not so much that the racing is yeah. hard. The racing's fine. It's yeah. the training. It's the amount of effort you've got to put in to actually do that. So, uh, yeah. So I was a sprinter to start off with. And what made you transition then and do that step up to the four? Well, it was a little bit of a fluke, really. Um, I I ran for Wales in the Commonwealth Games uh, in the 400 metres. Had a little pop at it there. Uh, did okay, but I didn't take it serious. And in 94, uh, stroke 95, Colin Jackson became my coach. And, you know, the guy's a legend. I mean, you know, yeah. he's still a legend to this day. He's a god in, in the world of athletics. And, you know, what he's done as a human being now, even to this day, being the TV presenter. And, you know, he's still got that aloofness of greatness, which, you know, I, I highly admire with him. And we're, we're best of friends. And the shape uh, he's in as well. I've seen some of the oh, videos of you and him. And the guy, it's ridiculous for his age, isn't it? The guy is 53. I'm 47. He's 53 <laughs> and he looks like 28. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not even joking, right? I, I say, I, I, I'm not even joking. I'm in the gym with him, looking at him, going, and I say to him every couple of months, I go, Carl, do you reckon you could still have a pop with the hurdles, mate? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and he laughs at me. But he knows I know him well. But yeah, yeah. I genuinely think, okay, he could, you know, he's, you know, you get older, you're back, you're this, you're that. You do, yeah. But I reckon, not that he would do it, and I don't blame him, but I reckon if he had a proper run now, I reckon he'd still be all right. Because, I, like, we go to St. Lucia every year. We coach, yes. like, a lot of people on the beach yeah. in St. Lucia. And, you know, just talking about this little part is, when he's doing his running drills and he's doing all his high knees, he's floating along the sand. And I'm looking <laughs> at him going, I'm an expert at knowing what looks good or doesn't. And I'm going, I say, Carl, you look good, mate. So, yeah, the legend. So, so he started coaching me um, over the 100 and 200 metres. He'd only won the World Championships a year before, he, um, uh, which was amazing. Uh, so he broke the world record, won the World Champs. And then... At the Commonwealth Games in 94, he said, would you like me to coach you? And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> me? Like, why me? Like, and he, he, Colin's known me since I was 12 years old. Oh, wow. So we'd known each other a long time when I first went to Cumbran Stadium in South Wales. And he said, I'd like to coach you. I was like, wow. You know, you don't get an opportunity oh, like that. Definitely not. And, and he was at his peak at the time when he said yes. it. Um, he um, had a house in Florida. And he basically said, fly over with me to Florida. You'll be training with Linford Christie, Mark McCoy, <laughs> Merlin Otti, uh, Frankie Fredericks, John Regis. I'm like, ah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll have a bit of that. Um, basically, um, so that first year he coached me, he was coaching me for 100 and 200 metres and in 95. And it yeah. so happened. I, I ran a PB that year in the 200 metres, ran a PB in the 100 metres. But it was only, I, I had a run at a British League meeting, you know, a small meeting in Cardiff. Yeah. And I ran the relay and I ended up running a really fast relay leg uh, for the four, uh, four by four. Um, I ran like a low 45 split, which everyone was like, wow. Yeah. And on the back end of that, I got invited to run in an under 23s meeting down in Narbonne in France. I ended up breaking the Welsh record, running 45-4, and ran a 44-3 relay split. The rest is history. Yes. I ended up uh, in my first race, proper race in Britain, beating Roger Black. And, yeah. you know, you don't beat Roger Black, but I, <laughs> but, I, but I beat Roger Black in my first proper 400 metres. And 
And on the back end of that, I um, I stayed at that event and a year later got an Olympic silver medal. Fantastic. And the what I've noticed as well is you particularly excelled. Relay you always did well at, um, some really quick legs. And obviously you, you got the gold in 97 on the back of that. But yeah. indoor as well. Um, what yeah. suited you more being indoors then? Well, you know what? Um, you know, people who are tall say, oh, it suits people who are really short. And I'm five foot eight. I'm like Lord Farquhar from I like Shrek. that. Five foot eight is a solid height. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers for that. Yeah. So, so like, I'm five foot eight. And, um, yeah, you know, if you've got the cadence, the indoor suits. But you know what it is? It's not so much the cadence. It's what I loved about the indoors. And this is why I was a very good relay runner. And not, obviously, I was a very good 400-meter runner because yeah. you don't get to a couple of world championship finals in yeah, the individual so. unless you're good. But I love chasing people. <laughs> I love, and that's it. So in the 400-meter okay. indoors, you go into lane one after the first thing and you just yeah. chase people. Yeah. So I love that, that sort of game of chasing. And that's why I was very good at relay running because I love catching people up and overtaking them and the crowds getting excited. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the 400 metres, you're running around in your lane for a long, consistent time and it's hard. And I, it sounds a bit silly, but I found the 400 metres a little bit boring, you know? So, yeah. like, <laughs> so, so, but with the indoors, I find it very exciting and I'm, I think it's an extension of my personality. I'm quite an excitable person. I'm not boring. I like that sort of fast yeah. and furious stuff. So I think the indoors suited my personality and so did the relay. No, that makes sense. Um, so what was it from your perspective that kind of drew your athletics career to an end then? Um, because obviously you hear different stories and you some through a, a definite injury or they absolutely reach a certain level. What was it for you that you knew? <laughs> to it's a funny one, this. You're going to laugh at this one. And I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. So I I used to live in uh, Atlanta at the time in, in, in America. It was a, a great coach, a great athlete called Innocent Ed Beniki was training me from Nigeria. Lives in America. Lovely man. One, uh, uh, salt of the earth. You don't get much better than, uh, than him. And I kept going into America and... Um, you know, I, I had a like an apartment there and I'd go there for three months, come home, be home for a couple of weeks, go back for three yeah. months. So it was difficult because I, I had a couple of children then, two kids, and it was kind of difficult. So I was already saying to myself, I'm getting a little bit older, you know, um, what's, what's it all about? Um, so that was starting to play on my mind a bit. I was thinking, I'm getting a bit older, can I keep yeah. doing this, right? So that was in the back back of my mind. And... The last time I went into the States to actually go and train, I, and this is a funny story, and I've never shared it, I think. So I'm going to the, you know, you know, you go through passport control. Yeah. So I hand my passport to this guy, right? And he doesn't look at, he's like this. He doesn't even look at when he's looking at me, right? And he goes, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from the United, you know, United Kingdom, from the UK. And he's still looking down, he's doing this. And he said, what are you doing here? I notice you're in our country quite a lot. And he's been quite aggressive. And I'm like, yeah. um, I said, oh, I'm over here training. He still hasn't looked up at this point. He's just looking down. And I said to him, well, I, you know, I'm in the country. I do training. I'm a track and field athlete. And he's going, well, you're here a lot, son. And I said, yeah. And he said, how can, we, how can you afford to do this? And he's been really militant. Yeah. And I just went, and he still hadn't looked up at, the, at, at, at this point, right? And I said, the reason I can come into your country and the reason I can stay here is because I'm good. 
and one of the best. <laughs> and he went, he gave me a clipboard, right? Yeah. Gave me this clipboard and he's turfed me off and I had to go in this holding pen, right? In Atlanta, sort of uh, airport. With all these, it seemed like they were all criminals in there. You know what I mean? It was like, I was like that. I said, what am I doing in here? You know, it was somebody with a machine gun by there, somebody with a machete over there. And it was me, like a little athlete. And I'm thinking, a couple of guys with scars on his face. Yeah. And I'm thinking, really? And I was in that room for two hours. Right. And they eventually called me forward and they said, uh, so, uh, Mr. Bowles, what are you doing? I said, oh, I do track and field. Papa. And he went, uh, good on you. Good luck stamped my visa, you know, the passport, and said, on yeah. your way. And I just, I was so irate about <laughs> the system. I ended up going to see my coach, and I said, that's it. I can't stay in this country any longer. I'm going home. And he was like, what? And I was already thinking about it, right? right? So let me make that clear. I was already okay. thinking I'm going <laughs> to give up. But that was the icing on the cake. I thought, if I'm not welcome in America, I'm not made to feel welcome. I'm a nice guy. I've trained all my, you know, I lived in Atlanta where I got my Olympic silver medal. Yes, you yes. know what I mean? You know, I mean, it was, to me, it was like, what's going on? And I just, I ended up retiring. And I, and I, I retired not out of injury, not out of anything. I just got to the end of my career. And, and I feel very lucky that I, I ended it that way because it was on my terms and not anyone else's. Yeah. And so I feel I left it there and I feel happy about that, you know. And then before we move on to kind of your next step, um, in my thorough research piece again, mm. um, would you say if I mentioned about Kempton Park, Surrey, a racehorse and a Mr. Fergus Sweeney? Oh, God. <laughs> You've definitely done your own work. Okay. Kem a story you care to share? Yeah. All right. I'm happy to talk about that. You've definitely done your own work. So basically, um, I got asked, let me say this, first and foremost, it was for charity. Right? <laughs> we not got 10,000, didn't they, if I, my research yeah, let, is correct? Yeah, yeah, let me just get that in there. So it was a, it was a horse called Peopleton Brook, and um, a very good horse, apparently, and I didn't really know this because I'm not into <laughs> horses. And I got asked to run it for charity, and I did it for Bernardo's. And basically, back years ago, in the 1930s and 40s, Ed... Um, um, I was going to say Ed Moses then, um, Jesse Owens yeah. um, used to run against racehorses for money. Yes. So somebody, some bright spark said, oh, let's give a modern day athlete to run against a horse now. Who, who's, the, who's the biggest idiot who will do it? Oh, Jamie Hawks. <laughs> so next thing you know, I get the phone call. Hey, I did you a bit of an idiot. Do you fancy running against a horse? How far? 100 metres. I thought, I can do that. It's not that far. I, I'd been retired for about five years. I'd yes. had a lot of these. <laughs> I, I had, I'd been to, to the Indians every day in my life, I think, because I was missing lost time. Yeah. And um, I raced this horse and it beat me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it give, I, had a, I think I had a 20 meter head start. Right. And it absolutely annihilated me. But the, the mad <laughs> part about it is, I thought it was just going to be a little thing for charity. Yeah. It must have been about 3,000 people watching, <laughs> live on TV yeah. as well. So thousands. And what, even to this day, people like yourself, like Carl, they come up to me, go, what happened about the horse? You know, so um, did I enjoy it? A great experience. But uh, would I do it again? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually know the result because I'd seen an article in the South Wales Argos about it. 
and it's yeah. like, oh, red runner, etc. But it didn't say who won, so I was genuinely interested what the outcome. Yeah, was. It, it 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 caught me after about 80, 90 meters, so it didn't batter me. I got yeah, I got I quite far, <laughs> and I reckon I was as nervous for that race as I was at the Olympics. I was quite scared running. Yeah, it's quite full on, quite full on. Did the horse dip on the line? The horse just outbeat me. Just dip, just dip, just got ahead <laughs> by it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, by a furlong. <laughs> it, it is interesting, actually, on a slightly more serious. You said about raising money for Bernardo's. Mm. And um, for those that obviously know a little bit about you know that is a charity that really is dear to your heart. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I, this is a bit I'd much rather you did a bit more talking than I. But um, some of the people would have seen and watched the BBC programme, wouldn't they, where you did a search in 2014 mm. to find your um, birth mother because you were adopted. Do you mind talking a little bit about that, the experience, and what kind yeah. of drove you to on to do that as well? Because I've got a couple of friends who are adopted, actually. It's something they have thought of, um, but never been brave enough to take the step towards. Yeah, so so I grew up in South Wales in a, um, a an amazing family, you know. Um, my mum and dad have raised me, been amazing. Um, I, I've never been interested in finding out my roots. I've never been interested in finding out my past. But when you get in your 40s and you've got two children, what I didn't want to have at the back end of my life is on my gravestone is Jamie Balsey, Olympic athlete, has got two kids. We deeply miss you, right? Yeah. I didn't want that basic package of my life. And I thought, I want to know who I am, even though I know who I am. I wanted to know my heritage. You know, I'm mixed yeah. race. My father's black, my mum's white. I wanted to know a bit about it because... If you see my kids, they look very similar to me. So I yes. thought my dad's going to look similar to me, you know, and I just thought I would love to know a bit more. So I ended up going on, a, embarking on this journey to find my birth mother. Um, I spoke to my mum and dad who've raised me about it, um, first and foremost. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have their blessing. Yeah. And in fact, my mum, I knew what my mum was going to say anyway, but my mum, when I said, oh, I'm looking at, you know, what do you feel about me searching for my birth mum? And she said, I can't believe you haven't asked until now. <laughs> and I thought, what a nice response, you know? And she said, you know, go for it. I wish you the best and I want you to do, you know, we'll support you. And my mum and dad are amazing human beings, you know? Um, and so I embarked on this journey, uh, all live on pretty much what you see in the documentary yes. is what it is. It, yeah. it wasn't pre-planned. We didn't know what was going to come next. It was very full on, quite a scary moment. You, and you see that by your reaction as well. It was real. There, there was no pretense or anything. Because sometimes you see the journeys, don't they? Oh, that's a surprise. You, you're yeah. real. You can feel no, that. This, 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 this was a fly on the wall, a real heart-wrenching roller coaster journey of realism. And um, I got to meet my birth mother, um, which was amazing. Uh, I got to also find out on the program that my mother, my birth mother, had cancer, and yeah. she only had six weeks to live. Uh, that was quite hard. To, and, and, and if you watch the documentary, um, it's a hard one. And I'll say it yeah. now. It's, it's, if you go on my website, um, www.jamiebolsch.com and go into the TV section, you can see the two documentaries on there. They're in there. Because uh, I did a second one in search of my birth father. Um, it, was, it was really, and it's really good for everyone to watch, really. It's, it, it's, it, it was really hard um, to film. But, I got that moment to meet my mother and, um, you know, what was crazy, right? You'll, 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 you'll laugh at this one, right? 
so when we filmed the documentary, it was like, and 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 they said, you know, and you know the the, the social worker said we got your mother, we found your mum, yeah. blah blah, and they said this was on the say the Friday. By the way, she's got cancer. You can see her on the Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. Like, uh, what? You know, this is my mum. So the day came, and I'm driving to meet my mother. I pulled up. The cameras are there. They asked me, how do you feel about this? I'm like, I was more nervous than any other experience in my life. More nervous than being in the Olympic final, being, you know, in the world championship final, seeing the birth of my kids, whatever, right? I was nervous. And the, it was one part of the documentary, and this is, this is great. It's one part of the documentary, which you don't see. And it's the time I actually physically first encountered my mum, that, that moment. Yeah. And I said to them, no, this is me. This is my time. Yeah. I don't want the cameras in there. Everything else you've got and you yeah. can have it after, but this is my special moment. I opened up the door. So you're getting some privy stuff on this big right? Thank so you. I, it's no, it's fine. So I opened up the door and inside this courtyard was my mother. And she must have been about 10 metres away. And I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and she's like this, like this, right? And I'm looking at her going, oh my God, that is my mother. Yeah. So I'm walking towards her like this and nobody ever prepares you what to say or do when you meet no, your mother, when you're in your mid forties or no. early forties. <laughs> you know, nobody, I didn't have any training in it. Nobody yeah. said, oh, Jamie, when you meet your mum, you've got to act like this. <laughs> so the only thing I could do is give her a rugby tackle. <laughs> so I went in and rugby tackled her to hug her. So I gave her a hug. So I didn't actually take her to the floor because no, she already sat down. But I gave her this rugby tackle and she said, Jamie. Yes. As I embraced, I burst out crying. She burst out crying. And it was this moment, and I tell you why I cried. One, I was in my mother's arms for the first time in my life, you know. And, or the second time, because she would have held me when I was born. Yeah. But the reason what got me is she called me Jamie. Well, she actually named me Jamie. Yes, yes it is, yeah. And my mum and dad, on my birth certificate, is James. So my name is James. Everyone calls me Jamie, but my name's James. I, I, only ever get, I only ever get called James when I get told off by my mum and dad. <laughs> even to this day. Um, and when she said Jamie, I just suddenly felt this heartwarming... Oh my God, she's calling her son's name. She's not to say if she if I'd hugged him, she'd say, "Oh, Steve, how'd it go?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my name's not Steve. It would have been yeah. weird because yeah. she said it with love. Yeah. It actually really threw me, and it really got to me like that. So that documentary, you know, um, my mother lived for about another two and a half years with cancer. She was only meant to live for six months. Uh, we did some amazing stuff together. Um, uh, the documentaries I've said to her, I said, this is mine and yours testimonial, uh, a testimony to what we are about. And I've had about seven people come up to me personally. And there's going to be lots of other people who haven't met me who've actually come up to me in the street. And they said, Jamie, because of you, we've adopted this person. Fantastic. And I've gone, you know, like even now, like I can feel, I yeah. feel quite emotional because... 
you know, I actually feel the emotion, right? Because I know it's like to be adopted and being brought into a family which loves you unconditionally. And I know if the truth be known, if I'd stayed with my birth mother, would I have been an Olympian? Would I have an Olympic medal? Would I have won a world champs? Would I be the human being I am today? No. My mum said that within the yeah. first five minutes of us chatting, she said, if you had been raised by me, it wouldn't have happened because I couldn't have raised you properly. You know, your mum and dad have done a great job and blah, blah, blah. So, so go on. So, and this was partly as well, and it's obviously been particularly um, relevant recently. Um, do I remember hearing that the challenges of raising a mixed race child in the 70s as well? Um, uh, and it, it's wrong. And you almost, it, I mean, still to this day, but... I can only imagine what she must have been through as well. And as I think oh. you were saying before, that it, she had a choice. She could have aborted yeah. you, given yeah. you up. And, and actually, by her giving you another opportunity, that was a powerful thing for her to do as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, immensely. You know, anyone who gives up their child um, in that circumstance, she was only 18, 19 years old. I mean, that was hard. You know, we, we had, and the lovely part about it, we had those conversations of, she said she thought about me every day and it was not a day gone by. And, you know, and I, I believe her, you know, um, yeah. I didn't, you know, we had some deep chats, you know, you weren't just superficial or high, you know, it was deep, you know. And I feel that we, you know, even though she's not here right now, I've, I've, I've opened and closed a book which needed to be opened and closed. Um, yes. for the, so what I said at the very beginning of this is my children know that my birth mother was called Teresa. Yes. My birth, you know, my kids met her. I've got a, I've got a, um, a grandmother, which is Teresa's mother, still alive. She's in her nineties. I think she's <laughs> ninety-three now. And I met her. Yeah. And I met, and I met her. Like I've met her a couple of times now. It's yeah. like my kill, my my youngest son has met her. And you know, they, you know, so when they, when I'm long gone and my kids are still around, they'll go Teresa. Met the grand, yeah, you know, yeah. and I and I, I needed it for me. I needed it for my children because I, I needed it for my family because I just didn't want to be known as this Olympic guy, and I just wanted to be, have a bit more depth to me. And uh, so it's something which I I treasure. That I I, I ended up doing a, a second documentary, the of my great father, which we did just over a year later, um, and that was a difficult one. Yes. Uh, again, different, difficult. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased I've done them. It's, it's no regrets. It's, 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 it's made me more of a, the man I am today, really. So, uh, yeah, hard. You know, when, when you, you know, I knew it was hard. So if anyone listening to this gets to watch it, like I said, go on my website, jimballs.com and check them out. Because, like, when you get Sam Warburton, the British and Irish Lions captain, former captain and Welsh rugby captain sending you a text at the end of the programme saying, I've got to get out the Kleenex because I've been crying. And then you get, you know, some tough men like folding yeah. me and texting me. You know, it was it was very heart-wrenching and it was very honest. It was a very honest documentary. It won a BAFTA. Um, and so I'm very proud of it. And I'm really pleased that that will go in history. And, and maybe, just maybe, like I said, those seven people who have come up to me, there might be... 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people who've adopted because they watched that. And that is mine and my mother Teresa's yeah. testimony to, to, to helping the young children out there. No, it's fantastic. And it, I, I, I watched it to obviously try and research and prep for this as well. And I had the same. There was a couple of moments where I had a real lump in my throat because yeah. it was real. Um, yeah. And it's, it was a lovely moment when you met her. Yeah. 
the thing that slightly made it lighter in the second one was um, there's a wonderful clip from uh, there's you and Colin training and they're talking about uh, <laughs> we found out about having Jamaican heritage and Colin exposed that's where it, why you're surpassed and you them something in there <laughs> and I'm dancing around the yes. gym yeah you know like yeah because like growing up right you know you know you look at the athletes the Chapman Field athletes the Linford to Collins. You know, 90% of the fast people on the planet we see, they're all black athletes, yes. right? They're all Jamaican heritage and this and that. So there's me growing up in this white world, in this white family, uh, winning a world championships. Do you know what I mean? And so that was a little bit of banter, really, between me and Colin and me going, yeah, I've got a piece of that. That's why I'm so privileged. <laughs> it's just a bit of silliness. And, you know, I loved it. You know, I, I really loved it, you know. The, the, the two documentaries were, were pretty much life changing, and, and you know something I you know people say, oh, do you, you know what was it like? Do you regret doing it? Did you love doing it? You know, I loved every moment of it, and it's it's on film, and that's yes. what I love. It's on film for in ten years, fifteen years time, you may get some family out there who may watch that, and they've been on the fence of are we going to adopt or not? And yeah. I reckon anyone who's thinking about adopting anyone. If they see that, they're going to go, i got to do it. Yeah. I, you know, and that, maybe, yeah, forget the Olympic medals and the World Championship medals and all that. That might be my calling card, you know, to, to help people. And, uh, you know, so to me, I, 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 I feel quite proud of it. No, it and it's, it's a wonderful thing. It demonstrates the power of media as a force for good. Because it can be a terrible tool, kind of, in instances like this, you say it really is a wonderful yeah. opportunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it, you know, it's, it is, it's very positive. Um, all I've had is a lot of positive outcomes from that, doing those docs. And um, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. So obviously we, we've kind of covered the athletic sphere and then something a little bit more recently. But um, we met through obviously Cheryl and your company BidAid. And um what I'd be interested to know, that I've got a couple of questions. Folks, those of you who don't know, if you tell us just very briefly a little bit about what BidAid is, Jamie, and then I've got a question about BidAid. Okay, so BidAid basically is a silent auction company which raises uh, money for charity. Uh, we've got an online platform with COVID right now and, and all events being cancelled all over the country. Um, we're very fortunate that we've got a platform which can still raise money for charities across um, not just across the UK, uh, but across the world. We've just launched in Germany. We're launching in America, and we're just doing. Uh, we're launching in Hong Kong in two months' time. So basically, what do we do? We are a silent auction company, which provide all pieces of memorabilia, experiences, holidays, artwork, which go on this auction uh, software, which people can bid on. The highest bidder wins that item, and the money gets raised for the charity. So. Um, it's something which I love. I, I, I've always loved charity and I've always loved giving back. And, um, you know, over the years of us setting up Bid Aid, you know, we've raised so much money for all different causes. Some have been massive, some haven't been so big. But, you know, in, in its entirety, you know, when I put my head on the pillow at night and I know that I've raised an extra £10,000 for that charity because we turned up, it makes me feel good. And... Um, that 10,000 I'm going to come on to in a minute with you turning up as a story Cheryl told me. But first, just interested, what's your either the most special in your eyes or the most unusual um, lot you've sold? Oh, God. Um, 
That's a very good question. I, I, being a, um, okay, so being a Welsh rugby fan, um, I was very much, very lucky um, when we, we, <laughs> we beat England 30 to 3, right? That, that, <laughs> game, that, that game, that game, right? You know, yeah. which, the, which the English tried to forget, but it was a good game. I was in the audience, I was in the stadium. And I, luckily enough, they have seven rugby balls, which they have in the game. They don't just have the one, because if the one goes into the... So I managed to have five of them given to me, which were the muddy balls they played with. And I got um, Sam Warburton to sign one, Lee Arpen yeah. to sign another, blah, blah, blah. And I obviously sold them all, and they all went uh, yeah, for charity or went for different areas. And I think, to me, that was pretty special because they had the mud on them and the sweat and the blood and that you know so Real, that was pretty yeah. cool um so that like the emotive ones but then i the one, uh, the ones which i really love i've i've had things like um oh god bruce lee you know, signed memorabilia. You know, you don't come across that every day. And, no, that's not. You know, and so that, you know, if you want to talk about the the, 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 the crazy stuff, I suppose the Bruce Lee one is pretty cool because I'm a massive Bruce Lee fan. Loved him when I was, you know, when I was growing up. Everyone's like, oh, you know, we all love that. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, so I think that was pretty cool one. So I've had some amazing stuff. And I suppose, yeah, that, that's got to be one of my favourites. And then the story, and the, I think the recognition you're I dawn when I mentioned it about um, an auction where you and Colin um, stood up and offered some services. That probably sounds less appropriate than actually it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny, like it, it, you know, it's all about getting people emotive in the crowd, you know, and yeah. um, you know, you start off like saying oh yeah we can do this and by the end of it oh we'll come there and we'll make dinner for you type thing you know what i mean yeah. and then actually you know not only will we make dinner at your house we'll serve you the food and before you know it you've said all this stuff <laughs> and you've gone why have i said this and the people are putting their hands up yeah you know, no you can't retract it because some guy's paid 10 grand he's going yes, yes come to my house on a wednesday after the evening and cook for me and you're like you know, so yeah, I've done some crazy stuff in the, in my time, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been fun, and and Colin's good good, good a good sport. So am I, and it's uh, we've definitely had some camaraderie with those uh, uh, live auctions. And then the last thing, because it's the most recent. Um, obviously, you're starting a new challenge for people on Monday. Um, so many people during lockdown have tried to either do a bit of fitness where they can. Others potentially have spent more time in the fridge than they want to. And there's some glorious memes going around it, isn't there, about the fact they're going to be rolled out of their house by the end of lockdown. But um, we've spoken recently that you're in probably the shape, better shape you have been in a long time. Probably yeah. looking after yourselves. So Monday starts this 21-day training program. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's basically me versus me. Um, so it's all about you trying to be the better version of yourself than what you are today. So I've lost 10 kg. That's about a stone and a half of body fat in the last year. Um, I don't train that hard. I train harder than, you know, the, the regular person. But like, it's not crazy. I just go for fasted walks. I go for a walk each morning, do a little bit of training with Colin Jackson yeah. on, on a Skype call or, or Zoom call, I should say. 
have a little bit of fun and I've and, and it's all due to the fact that I'm training a bit but I'm consuming the right food yes and uh and and trust me on this well you saw I just had a beer in my hand don't think yeah. that it's all ca uh, carrot sticks and you know half a you know you know it's it, you know I eat and I eat quite a lot and I enjoy it um, but I weigh the same as what I weighed in the 1996 Olympic Games, and I'm 47 Crazy years there. old. And and I'm actually crazy. And this is a bit I don't get: is I'm actually stronger than what I was at the Olympics. I can I can bench more yeah. power now than I did. And I'm like, how's that? And I think maybe I trained so hard over the 400 meters when I went in the gym, I was always tired. Yeah. So that's why I always thought, why am I so stronger? Anyway. Um, so this me versus me is all about you helping yourself. Um, they've got live classes every day. They've got live um, cook-offs. Um, so you, you learn how to cook. You learn about nutrition. Um, you learn about everything. So it's not just beasting yourself. So I don't want to give the impression there's a load of Olympians in there who are just going to beast themselves. No, it's, got, it's going to have the person who may be eight stone overweight to maybe the Olympian. So it's 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 about you versus you, and it's it's about you just becoming that better person. So it starts on Monday. So if people want to contact me on my social media, you know Jamie Balls, just uh, at Jamie Balls, I'll personally message them back and tell them where to go and uh, and what to do. Not a problem. Fantastic. Yeah. Cheers. Jamie, it's been an absolute privilege this evening. Um, you're a superstar, and um, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's a pleasure. Cheers. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Cheers. And that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle of fighting underscore the underscore dadbod. Enjoy the rest of your day.